Welcome to Newsworthy with Norrisworthy. Get ready for some awesome. All right, friends, welcome back to the show today. Uh, we're going old school. I'm recording this at my house, not my office, recording this around my youngest daughter's nap schedule because um, I'm doing this on an off day that I'm not working. But this conversation was so important to me, I would schedule it around my daughter's nap time because I wanted to talk to my friend, Faye Haygood from L.A., California. Faye, welcome to the show. Glad to be here. Thank you for taking the time. And uh, we met, I guess, um, the first time we met was a few months ago, getting ready for the Pepperdine Bible Lectures. Isn't that right? That's correct. That's, yes. That was fun. Yeah, it was. Uh, and that's kind of your neck of the woods, because you, uh, you were born in Birmingham. Is that correct? Yep. But then you, you moved to Compton, which is Compton, L.A., when you were a kid, right? You went to school all through there, right? Yeah, I mean, I moved more to um, to Los Angeles, but later on we moved to Compton and several other places. Nice. Okay, so for those of us who only know Compton from Dr. Dre songs or the uh, NWA movie, which recently came out, Straight Out Compton, what do we not understand about Compton from that little facet of your town? Well, I'd just say, uh, don't believe the hype. You know, I mean... Uh, Compton's like any place else. I mean, there's there are bad people and good people, um, mm-hmm. but it's definitely not a Dr. Dre NWA <laughs> video. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. And I, I love bringing people, you know, from out of town to Compton, especially at night. Um, and I always ask them the same question. I ask them to be quiet, and I ask them what do they hear, and they usually tell me uh, crickets. yep that's what it is Hmm. so do you think there's a lot of negative stereotypes that you have to obviously you're you're undoing those from the uh, notoriety gain from uh, dr dre and ice cube and and the rest of nwa's uh rap group uh do you feel like that they miscast the entire town well miscast would be uh would be wrong um what they're doing is they're selling their life. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but their life is not, you know, everybody's life. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and that is how a lot of us grew up. I mean, um, um, and for us, you know, during, you know, the Dr. Dre times, you know, Dr. Dre is, you know, 15, 20 years removed from that kind of a life. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, were there games? Absolutely. Um, uh, was it dangerous at times? Sure. Um, but was it like, you know, uh, Beirut? You know. Yeah. <laughs> was it, you know, I mean, so, I mean, uh, when you talk about the, um, the negative stereotypes, I don't, I don't see them as, as negative as opposed to it's just life. Mm-hmm. It's just yep. life. It's just um, part of what everybody else does, you know. Yeah. Okay, so w- one of the things that uh, probably drew the most attention to NWA was um, a line in a song that I guess Ice Cube would sing in which he, uh, there's no way to sing this song uh, and for me to keep my job, but uh, it was a line <laughs> in which he was uh, expressing his displeasure with the police and... Um, 
Yeah, so it seems, and then if, if, if anyone watched the movie, um, there was obviously some racial tensions uh, displayed between you know the NWA and the uh, and the police. Is, is that something that that most? Um, do you think that's an accurate representation of not just their experience, but many people's experience in Compton of a tension between? Uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Now, 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 that's a different question to me. If if you ask um, whether or not we had an adversarial um, relationship with the police. Absolutely, we did. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, and I talk to you often. You know, I have um, I call it three and a half degrees. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, um, I've been to, I've had a lot of schooling, a lot of academia, and um, driving Audi. Um, my wife's a professional; she has three or four degrees, and yet. I've been stopped by the police oh, five, six, seven times. Um, not for a crime, <laughs> just for being in the wrong place. Hmm. Whoa. I mean, I have zero criminal record. I mean, if, if you were able to access my public record, the worst thing you'd find is a speeding ticket, which, which I probably think, you know, most of America has at least one. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so... For sure. You know, and yet, you know, um, that was our reality. You know, we're playing in our, in our front yard, and if the police come rolling down the street, you know, we are, we're on high alert. We don't know what they're going to do. Hmm. So, you know, that's kind of how we grew up, and we kind of knew that. I Part of the reason we're talking is because I was reading your Facebook posts over the last couple of weeks, and uh, I, I knew I just wanted to hear more. Uh, about your experience and your story. And one of the things that you said on Facebook is that you've had a gun pulled on you by the police. Am I re- remembering that correct? Did did that happen? My, my brother did. Your brother did. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, my brother did. Um, I, yeah, I've never personally had, had the police pull the gun on me. Um, but I've been handcuffed and all that kind of stuff. Um now, I remember one time I was coming from church. Uh, I just preached that night, slown off in church, and the police pulled me over and took me out of the car and immediately started to put me into handcuffs. I said, wait, um, why are you putting me in handcuffs? Am I doing something dangerous? Am I being belligerent? And, I said, and then I asked myself, do you really want the members of the church to come out of the church and see the pastor with with his handcuffs against the car. And he said, oh, I'm sorry, you're past. I said, yeah, why are you stopping me? He said, well, we ran your plates, and uh, your, uh, your, your plates didn't come up. I said, I know. I said, that's because the DMV um, sent me some kind of ghost plate. And so <laughs> I just registered them. I said, here's my registration, and here's the number, and here's the VIN number. Um, and I'm, and I'm just like, why, why is it necessary, though, for you to handcuff me to ask me about my place? Hmm. So, you know, for us, it just is, is what it is. I mean, we don't look at it as a thing. You know, it doesn't come, become a thing until people start getting shot. Then it's a thing. <laughs> you know, hmm. this becomes a thing. Yeah. You know, but before, it just just how we grew up. You know, I mean, you know, significantly different than, than, than several well, my friends, I know, but I mean, it is how we grew up. So yeah, and, and that's not that's not how I grew up. Um, 
Yeah, that's yeah. definitely not my experience. Uh, so what did you, uh, so last Sunday, uh, which would have been, uh, by the time this comes out, that would have been two weeks ago, I guess, the Sunday right after uh, both of the, uh, both the shootings and then also, uh, and also the shooting in Dallas. So I guess all three of the incidents. Yeah. Um, what, what did you preach on? What did you say to your, your congregation? Your congregation, by the way, is the, is it metropolitan or you call it metro, whichever way, right? They call it both. Okay. They both call it, most, most of the home folks call it metro and, yeah. you know, other people, you know, so. So the, the metro well, church, get, which you founded, I guess, 15 some years ago, is that right? Yeah. 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 Okay. So when you yeah. were preaching at the metro church that you founded, what did you say last Sunday? Well, on Sunday, I, I didn't get a chance to preach. Oh. I was on my third. I was on my thirtieth anniversary. Oh, nice. I, I was in Portland, <laughs> which is a little different than uh, Compton. I'm assuming, just a little Absolutely. bit. Absolutely. Okay. So, have you addressed your congregation since, or what did you do? No, I won't. I won't until I won't until Sunday. Oh wow. Uh, do you plan on yeah. discussing it on Sunday? Absolutely. So, let's get a little sneak peek of peak of what you're going to say well um it's tough it's it's tough it's a tough word to speak for us um because it it often you know especially in, in you know when you're when you're preaching in a african-american context it's it's a it's often an interaction between the audience and you and um, it's tough because it's also an emotional interaction. And often we have to uh, hear God in the word more than we pay attention to what's in our heart. Hmm. Um, um, and that becomes difficult um, in addressing issues um, like this. Um, because we know we know scripture, you know. Mm-hmm. We ought to love people and love our neighbor, and that's, that's everybody. Um, and we need to love our enemies. Um, now, I personally don't, don't feel that, like, the, like the policeman as a, uh, as a general idea or as a general a need of society are my enemy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know that our, the relationship I've had with them has been adversary. Okay. Um, and so it's, it's hard to to not feed into there's a lot of anger, a lot of frustration, a lot of fear. And it's hard to speak to that. Um, but it seems like it's such a repetition. I, I, a couple of um, couple of months ago, I was before all this happened, I was I was listening to some old music and I was watching old videos when I was a kid. And then something happened. Something, something racial, something happened, and it just cut me to my heart because I was thinking, man, I just, I just didn't want my son to experience this stuff. Just, you know, I grew up in the '60s and '70s. I became a man in the '80s, um, and we experienced a lot of this stuff all of the time. And I kind of felt like, okay, we've kind of moved on from some of this stuff. And then it's like, really? Really? That's what we are? And so when I speak on Sunday, I said to give you a context. When I speak on Sunday, 
it's hard to speak and not sound disingenuous. It's almost like the old Negro spiritual. How long? Or like Psalm 13, how long? Oh, Lord, will you forget me forever? You know, when you start looking at the history, it's like, oh, my God, really? We go from this to this to this. And now um, when we're in, into this whole postmodern thing and this whole, um, you know, uh, millennial thing and, and everybody's supposed to be cool. And, no, everybody's not cool. You know, <laughs> and so you say, well, you know, they're like, okay, how long? How long are we supposed to be like, you know, and, and what's happening a lot in, in African-American communities is that a lot of them are revisiting um, whether or not um, Martin or Malcolm were correct in how to deal with this. Hmm. Of course, most, most folks didn't really understand either of them, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Martin, sure, Martin was pacifist, but he had a serious, serious agenda. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was nothing nice about it. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Yeah. You know, and so when I speak, that, that's what makes it hard. Okay. Know? Okay, you said a bunch that I'm gonna have to follow up on. Let's start with the. Let's yeah, say with. I'm sorry. No, no, you just got a lot of really good stuff right there. Um, uh, so you okay? First of all, revisiting Malcolm and uh, and Dr. King. Um, yeah. So I've read some stuff by James Cone uh, about this, and you know, there's obviously been a sure. lot of thought about that the intersection of the two. Um, you know, there was a supposed meeting that was supposed to happen right, but right after Dr. King was assassinated. Uh, and some sure. people sense that that Malcolm X was softening over time, less militant, and maybe Dr. King was becoming more open to more aggressive responses. Um, Absolutely. Uh, and and some people assume that Dr. King has been actually assassinated twice. Once, uh, the one that we know about, the second time is actually after the famous "I Have a Dream" speech that people stopped listening to him after that when he became less of this ideal. Um, almost like a white angel, like where all the, the white, white guilt caused them to have fear of black rage and retaliation. And so he, sure. he sounded really nice and peaceful then. Uh, he becomes more frustrated as he gets older. We don't want to hear that. Um, tell, so that's kind of like my background of like understanding what's going on here. Is, is that the kind of conversations people are having when they're revisiting those two or, or, or something else? Well, they're more, the conversations are actually more characters of the two. Um, Whereas Martin is seen as uh, lay down and stomp my head, and and Malcolm is seen more, you know, to shoot the police. Mm-hmm. When when that that's that's incorrect actually on both accounts. Mm-hmm. Um, but that that's kind of where it's seen, you know, um, that you know, well, you know, we've tried the the Martin way, which they haven't. But, mm-hmm. you, you know, but that's a sense because, you know, all in school, the only only African-American you heard about in school was Martin Luther King. And, mm-hmm. and it was a caricature of him then. And so suddenly, so, you know, we want to reject that some and say, you know, we, we want to be more aggressive and more violent because um, we're tired. Mm-hmm. But um, to give some context to that. Uh, our friend's name is Kyle, white guy. He's a preacher here in L.A. And he was talking to me about Prince when Prince died. And, you know, he, he told me, he said, listen, Prince didn't die from drugs. Prince died from pain. Hmm. He said, until you, 
because he, he says, I'm on the same med medication. He says, until you have, have really experienced that level of pain, you don't understand. That kind of pain changes mm -hmm. you significantly. And I, and I think that's what started to happen to, to Martin and to others. There's just so many times you can see people, you know, chewed on by dogs and, and mm -hmm. washed down the street by high-powered hoses and beaten by people and called nigger and just so much. There's just so much any human being can take. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that's what, what started to move Martin. But I don't think he was moving toward, you know, military kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but more, more of, you know, Listen, you know, there comes a time you got to protect your family. Yeah. Um, um, and I don't think, I don't, I don't think, I actually don't think Malcolm was ever trying to get people to shoot people. If you really listen to him, he was really more about communities controlling their own resources and destiny, mm -hmm. self policing, et cetera. So, um, yeah, so, so that, that kind of where, where, where it happens for me. That's the kind of conversation where people are saying, you know, um, we all need to have guns and we all need to, you know, as opposed to to even the church, which which is troubling for me. What do you mean by that? Um, it's troubling for you. Well, well, because I'm a person who believes that the answer to all of this, I think, is the same enemy. I don't. I think the problem is that the white community is having, the black community is having, the Hispanic community, I think it's all the same enemy. I think it's the devil. I know that's really esoteric and people don't really like talking like that anymore, but I really think that's what it is. I think it's, you know, the devil is manipulating this, that our adversary, the Satan, is, is manipulating yeah. all of us. Well, and we're all losing. No one wins. Yeah. We all lose. The good thing about the devil language is that it doesn't force us down this, you know, dualistic approach where it's either I'm for cops or I'm for the black community. It, it, it removes you right. from this like simple binary of uh, are you for the cops? Are you for Black Lives Matter? Because when you have the devil, you go, right. neither of them are the enemy. Like that's not who right. we're really fighting against. And right. it humanizes the other person. So I, I think that's. I think that's a far healthier approach to to go that direction. Absolutely. When you let's say in the the Malcolm and, and Martin thing, you had posted on Facebook something about how you wish the president would, uh, and obviously I'm, I'm botching your language here, but something about wouldn't just use the language and the homiletical style of Malcolm and Martin, but would do more legislatively. Um, do you remember saying something like well, that? Yeah, well, there's, there's a feeling, you know, um, there, there's a real feeling among many, many African-Americans that um, that Obama um, is is often everybody's president except us. Hmm. Why is that? He's willing to advocate vocally and, uh, and legislatively for others but not for us. And um, it's hurt. It's hurtful sometimes. And, and it may, and it may just be a feeling. It may just, it may, it may not be actual true. If you look at the actual record, you know, it may just be anecdotal, mm -hmm. but that is a feeling. Can you, that, can you explain more about why, why that feeling exists? Well, okay. Say a situation like this where, where you have a serious, um, and it, it, the pressure in the, in the community is really rough. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so you have a situation like this. Why, why don't you stand up and say, well, okay, this is what I'll do. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. this is what I'll do. Okay, for instance, you, just very recently, um, you have a situation, um, the bathroom situation with the LGBTQ community. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right? Now, I'm not saying I agree with what he did or not, because <laughs> we disagree a lot. <laughs> but he felt strongly about that. And so... He, and I don't know if he meant to, if he, if he would, he, if he would uh, uh, really cash in this one, but you know, he sent sent uh, letters to schools and to other places that you know you might be, uh, you might lose federal funding yeah. if you don't do something about this. Mm-hmm. Like, wait a minute, wait, that's going to vote, you know? Wait, you know. You, you felt strongly about it, and you moved. You know, you don't feel as strongly about what's going on in our community. Hmm. You don't. You don't see that. You know, I don't. I don't see you standing up and saying, "Hey, this is going on in the African American community." I tell you what, if this doesn't happen, this is what's going to happen. Yeah. And so, you know, like I said, I'm, I am. I'm very proud of the president. Um, I do think he's done a lot of good things, but um, I also disagree with him on a lot of stuff. Yeah. And yeah. And I wish he, you know, and maybe just, you know, and, and understand, you know, um, as an African-American, you don't want to come off as the president of the Negro people. You, you know, I get that. But come on, you know, <laughs> nothing ever. Hmm. <laughs> so yeah. like hmm. I said, it, it may just be anecdotal. I mean, the record may prove me wrong, but. That's just kind of how I see it. No, no. And a lot of people see it. Well, that's uh, fair enough. Yeah, that's um, that's tough. So, so I posted a podcast um, with Sean Adams, a friend of mine down here in Austin, uh, talking about the the two shootings, uh, Baton Rouge and in, in Minnesota. And uh, sure. we posted it Thursday morning, and then Thursday night. Everyone, uh, especially someone like myself who used to live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, um, is horrified mm. with the shootings. And Absolutely. I, I had a, a friend who's working three miles away that night and uh, just terrified, like, what's going on with him? I had a firefighter friend who I was worried, you know, he might have, he might somehow be down there. I'm going to be preaching at a church in a couple of weeks where um, th- there's a, a volunteer leader who's, Dallas PD and uh, new people yeah. who were who were who were shot and killed, and so there's sure. like the initial reaction of oh wow th- this is very personal to me um, with my connections to the the police force and um, it, it's heartbreaking obviously no one supports and endorses that obviously it's terrible um, no. w- when you're making a movement to say hey l- let's stop the violence. Uh, in the feeling that the police are being more violent towards the African-American community. We need to fix this. Let's stop this. And then you have something like this. It, it seems so deflating for those who are trying to work towards a better future. What, what was your feeling as you're watching everything that goes down or, or you're reading about it? Well, first of all, I feel horrible about yeah. I feel horrible. Um, and I think I posted something about it immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But a friend of mine in Dallas, um, J.K. Hamilton, um, he used to minister at the Mountain View Church of Christ. Mm-hmm. He had a personal relationship with all five of those guys. Oh, wow. Um, their church um, does a lot of community work with the police. And that station, I think, is right across the street from their church. Hmm. So, so, and those, those officers had been in his church. And this is just a, I mean, this is a predominantly black church. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, they had been there. Um, they had interacted. They, they were friends. They knew one another. Um, and so he, he, he acted immediately um, to try to heal those wounds. But here's the problem. Mm-hmm. The problem is this, is that many people in the African-American community would say, okay, so now um, you have five policemen that got shot and killed. That's really bad. Yeah, we agree. But where's the national attention, you know? (laughs) What happened? You know, we got people getting killed on the street all the time. And no one cares. Hmm. So, you know, you have that. Um, me personally, um, I thought it was tragic. I just, I, I, see, the, I see the hand of the enemy in it. Yeah. You know, and, and if, he, if he can stir us up to, to be that level of angry with one another. So the, the dichotomy is stupid. Uh, first of all, when you talk about Policing. We everybody needs police. <laughs> you know. Yeah. When I when I have a problem, if there's a criminal, I need to call the police. <laughs> I want them to come and get them and take them in jail. You know. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. So and then when you when you try to compare that to say, well, you got the blue against the black, you, you automatically, even using that type of language, sets up. Uh, an adversarial relationship, not between uh, just whites and blacks, but between the arm of authority of of an entire community and its people. So now it, it just creates an immediate relational dysfunction. Mm-hmm. The people who are supposed to be here to protect me are actually against me. And the people whom I'm here to protect really just want to shoot me. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It doesn't help anyone. Yeah. Both sides lose. Yeah, for sure. And so I, I, if you ask a bad question, you're going to get a bad answer, no matter who is answering it. If you ask a bad question, you're going to typically get a bad answer. And when you make the question, who do you support, the law enforcement or the African-American community, it's a bad question. Like that is not a, a helpful yeah. way to think. It's it just, we're, we're no. all going to lose when we play that game. Um, so yeah. how, how do we, obviously viewing the devil as, okay, the adversary, that's the real enemy in this. Um, that's helpful. That's a good way to, a good place to theologically begin the conversation, sure. knowing that's where the enemy is. Uh, but others hear this conversation and they, they hear your experience and go, that's not my experience. And then they hear stuff right. like, um, and I'm not saying this isn't true. This is 100% true. Um, where people like me would go, okay, well, I know so-and-so who's a police officer and he's a great guy. Sure. And I know so-and-so who's a one. And of course, and everyone knows good cops. And so they know good right. cops. They don't have 
Um, me as a white man, I don't have your experience. My experience is I have good cops. I have family members. I have friends who are cops. Um, so this right. doesn't make sense to me. I don't understand what you're saying. Um, and then I want to do what the natural move is and say, well, you know, obviously so-and-so was a criminal or so-and-so was a bad guy or so-and-so was doing something wrong. And it makes them the scapegoat right. for the issue. How do I see this better than that? Well, I don't know if you can see it better, but I, I think you can. I think you can get an understanding um, when you look at the two different contexts. See, see, you, you, you're right now. I hear you talking about your personal experience, mm-hmm. but your personal experience is also um, connected to. You know, your history. And your history doesn't speak to that either. What do you mean history? Whereas my history does. Okay, yeah. Well, um, you know, you don't have to YouTube it, but you could YouTube the 60s. Mm-hmm. And you can see not just good, not just bad policemen, but all policemen, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Sick yeah, dogs and, yeah, we, you know, we not, can, not, we, just a, not just a few roles. Yeah. We can you know. we can Google Bull Connor and uh, and get enough bad stories absolutely. right there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. So so you know when when I when I think of in, in, in our community, um, that wasn't that's not something we studied. You know that that's my mom. You know mm-hmm. that and and that was also me. You know when I was here and they were um, they gerrymandered all of Los Angeles. So hmm. that, so that certain districts, and this was purposeful. This wasn't some rogue something happening. Yeah. Um, you you know so so when all of a sudden people say, well, okay, you know, all cops aren't bad. Well, I agree, but I also have a history that says if it happened once, it could happen again. Mm-hmm. You know, you know. I mean, I, I would I would have to be crazy to think that. Okay, you know. That can never happen again. It can absolutely happen again. I mean, I would surely hope not, um, but it can absolutely happen. And that and that's what fuels it. That that's what always there's always this thing in the room. Mm-hmm. So okay, so you say, well, here we have Luke, and I know Luke, and um, Luke knows faith. We're both good people. Um, the difference is. If something like that happens, Luke, he's automatically going to think, "Wow, what's wrong with him down there?" <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because because the police came. I mean, somebody was doing something wrong. Yeah. Why are they acting crazy down there? Mm-hmm. You know. When I first think, like, "Yep, here we go again." Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. One of the things I hear as a reoccurring theme is, and you just said, you know, look up, you know, research, Google this, YouTube this, um, which is really a way of saying, hear the other story. Like, here's someone else's perspective. Right. And over and over again, right. I have, I've, in these conversations, it always goes down to listen. White people, listen to the experience of someone who has a different ethnicity, a different lifestyle, a different area of living, a different way of growing up, a different home. L- listen to someone else's experience and that has to be the first place to start. Like, if we don't know yeah. the stories, if we don't know what happened in the 60s, if we don't know what someone else's experiences are like, then it, it doesn't help. In the same way that 
you see the the stories of the good police force, uh, good works by the police force, where it's hey, sure. we're getting to know our neighborhood. We're not here. Um, we're, we're going to be a part of the community. We're going to help. I, I think the story came out that the the Dallas Police Department uh, was in communication with the Black Lives uh, Matters movement, helping plan the organization. Yeah. They were there. They were participating. And it seems like people are trying to learn what other people are going through. And that seems like that seems to be the glimmer of hope to me. Absolutely. So absolutely. Okay. So so two questions here. So first one to the white. To the white church, um, in a situation like this, the uh, the words of Dr. King from uh, the place where you're born, letters from Bur- uh, a Birmingham jail, I believe is is the right title yeah. for that, where he talks about his greatest fear. Uh, I guess the greatest resistance isn't the Ku Klux Klan, but the silent, passive Christians who who realize there's a problem, but they aren't saying anything to it. Um, that's yep. what seemed to convict me the most, where, where Dr. King's biggest fear wasn't the guys in the hoods, but the guys like me um, who were white, comfortable Christians who thought, well, you know, justice will eventually happen. I'm not going to speak up. I'm not going to mess up the peace. Uh, that, that's my fear that that's what I need to hear. What, what do you think the white church needs to hear during a time like this? Well, uh, uh, well, one thing that- I, you know me, I have intentionally, intentionally broadened who I am, who my have relationship with it, with, mm-hmm. um, on purpose. I just think, I just think, you know, somebody's got to move, you know, somebody's got to move. And what I found out though, and you, you can fix me on this, and this is what I have noticed, is that most times white church doesn't move I don't have to. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> you know, it just because they, they stand out to lose a lot. Yeah. Um, they just don't have to. And so they don't, they get, they seem to get uh, kind of a reward from the catharsis of feeling. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm all right. I'm a good person because I feel bad. And so since I felt bad, I got this overwashing of feeling and emotion about it. And so I'm good because I'm not that bad of a person. And that's kind of the reward in these kind of interchanges. Whereas for me, not just on this issue, but on, as you know, as a church, we have a whole lot of issues. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, but not just on this issue, that the reason we can never work together is because can't can't say wrong word. The reason we don't work together is because the motivation to do so there's just there's just not an importance to it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's just not an importance. I, you know, I, I look at our and I, I don't want to get us, so don't let me get us a feel. But I look at our at our brothers, um, cousins, whatever you want to call them, the Christian Church. Uh-huh. Um. And they are, right now, they have a serious national agenda. Mm-hmm. They're working fervently together to, to, to do it, you know? And I, and I look up and I say, dude, well, we, we seem satisfied 
as long as our personal churches aren't blowing up, we're good. Mm-hmm. And I think think that 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 kind of flavors the race relations thing. You know, as long as we're good, you know, as long as I'm not the racist church that hates black people, I'm good. But, dude, you know, the prophetic call, you know, it's, it's so much greater. The Micah call, you know, to yeah. love mercy, to do justice, you know, it's, it shouldn't be enough. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah Paul. But I don't want to sound... You know, I, don't, I don't want to sound uh, judgmental because, you know, I find myself in a lot of a lot of African American churches the same way. Mm-hmm. You know, as, as long as we're good, we don't do what we could. So, I mean, I'm not just being judgmental. I'm just ask, answering the question, you know, the best way I could. No, no, that's uh, first of all, I asked you the question, so thank you for answering the question. Uh, I, I don't think you came across as judgmental. I mean, that was, um, I think it's a it's a fair observation of. Uh, the church, especially the white church, uh, and our propensity. If if we're good, we're good. You know, we don't uh, we don't have to do something, so we don't we don't we don't do it. And that's yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, Micah, the the prophets, you know, Paul stuff, and, and Corinthians ministry of reconciliation, yep. which we have. I mean, the Jew Gentile stuff. Just replace Jew Gentile with black and white, and you get um, you get plenty of suggestions, commands. Dare I say? Um, explicit commands to work towards reconciliation. So I think that's a good word to the white church. Now, in the beginning, you were talking about um, feeling disingenuous because of the repetition uh, of this song being sung over and over again about uh, these things happening and uh, a sense of disingenuousness to talk about injustice when it doesn't ever seem to change. Uh, So what, what is your word to the black church that has the sense of, how long, seriously, is this going to go on? How long are we going to feel like this is just normal for us? What, what do you say to, to the black church? I'll say rise up. Hmm. Rise up and be the church. Be not just churchy, but to rise up and be the church. To fully engage in this credit system, um, that same that same message that um, God gave to Jeremiah, when he told the told the Jews, "Listen, you're going to be here seventy years. So prosper, build houses, marry. You know, because I know the plans I have for you. And I, I, w- I would tell the church, listen, rise up, rise up. Let's let's not be." A church which, which uh, borrowed from um, uh, some of the older white evangelists who, who spoke so fervently against what they call the um, social gospel. Let's be social. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's get out of these buildings. Um, let's take some risk. Um, let's rise up. But we can't. We can't rise up with violence. That we're followers of Jesus Christ. We can never forget who we are. You know, the weapons of our warfare are mighty. Mm-hmm. You know, we fight with prayer. We fight with love. We also fight with service, um, with empowerment, with speaking liberty. You know, 
ourselves rise up to, to not be on the background. If, if Black Lives Matter, if that group is out, um, 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 whether it's the political group, which is one group, or whether it's just a group of people who want to, to proclaim that Black Lives Matter, whichever one it is, let's be a part of it. Let's not be afraid. You know, um, I'm not, I don't push at the church, I don't push Republicans or Democrats or independents or any of that. I push the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Let's be the kingdom. We have marching orders. You know, let's, let's get out. You know, let's, let's fight the enemy where he's doing the most damage. Um, instead of, you know, and I'm not, I'm not against prayer meetings. I'm pro prayer meetings. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is that if we pray about change, then let's believe the God we, we pray to is going to honor it. Let's walk in faith and get out there and, and be about it. I just pray and feel all right. You know, I feel good because I prayed. Let's pray and move. You know, yeah. Good old Church of Christ stuff. Faith without works is dead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's good. No. That's in the Bible. That's in there somewhere. Absolutely. Yeah, that's good. Well, Faith, man, you, uh, man, this is a lot of good stuff. I appreciate you uh, taking the time to talk with me. I appreciate you coming on and sharing some of the stuff. I, I'm sure it's going to be very helpful for a lot of people. And uh, man, it's uh, it's good talking with you again. I'm sure uh, yeah. you're you're rocking a suit and tie right now, making me look uh, bad, just like you did at Pepperdine. Yeah, sure I am. You look so much better than me on stage, and you know I'm still I'm still a little bitter. You had like a whole like cheering section up front from your church, and I had like two guys in the back, and they didn't give me any amens. Your whole church was just like, "Faye, you're the man. Keep it going." And my guys were like, Haha, "That was funny." That was funny. funny. I gave you some amen. You did, but that, I gave you some. but that was in my church. You had like a built-in like, like pep squad there from your church. I just, I'm just saying, my church needs to learn from your church. Come on now. <laughs> oh, dude, this has been fun. Thanks for the time, man. Oh man, thank you, Lou. Thanks for checking out Newsworthy with Norsworthy. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. You are now adjourned.